Okay, good people, it is Thursday at 12 o'clock, and as always, that means that you are inside of the Greenhouse Effect. I am your host, Hayden Green, and for those of you who don't know what the Greenhouse Effect is, it is a weekly chat about what's happening in the world from a multicultural point of view, and that multicultural point of view is mine. And I am so happy to have all of you here on the 700th day of January. Um... Uh, this this month never ends, and it, it feels like we're going to be in January forever. And I have a theory about that, right? Like, I think that we January feels longer because this, December is so, like, high-paced, right? So you're, you're, everybody's getting together for the High Holy Holidays and, and Christmas and, and all the rest of the stuff. And then you get done with all of that, New Year's, you know, and the start of a new year. And then it's like January. <laughs> and January had 31 days. And so it's I, I, I get why it feels like that. And if you're in the north, Northeast like, you, like I am, the days are short. It's long nights. It's cold. It, it just feels like it go, goes on forever. So I kind of get why uh, January feels so long, but yes, it does feel like the 700th day of January. Kamika checking in. What's going on, Kamika? Have a, I hope you have a good start of your year. Um, I want to thank everybody who's checking in on uh, Facebook, Facebook Live. Feel free to drop comments like Kamika just did. I will do my best to respond if uh, and do my best to answer any questions that are in there, or if you have any commentary on anything that I'm saying, uh, make sure you drop them into uh, the comment section over there. If you're listening on Spotify Live, of course, just scroll down and answer those questions or drop in your comments there. Uh, we always love to see those as well. Uh, so uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the, swaggy, the swaggy mayor and uh, how he's dealing with the gun violence in New York City. And for those of you who don't know who the swaggy mayor is, that's Eric Adams. And, and I'll explain what I mean by the swaggy mayor. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Joe Biden. Uh, he's been having a bit of a week. He's got some ups and downs and some challenges. Uh, but so we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, we will talk, if I can get to it, talk a little bit about Wordle. Um, and lastly, we will do my top five, my top five places that I want to visit. Now, my top five places that I want to visit are really dedicated to, uh, or really focused on being able to take my camera. So it's less about family vacations, although I'm sure the family would love to see the places that I'm talking about, but the top five places that I want to go to with my camera. All right. Said he's in the, in the house. What's going on? Said, um, all right, so I have, uh, I'm, I'm just going to get get started, um, but I have been trying to adjust my diet. I, I'm, I'm not doing a New Year's resolution. I don't do those things, but I have been doing, I've been changing up my diet a little bit uh, since I got back from Ghana, uh, primarily because your system gets thrown off kilter when you, when you go to a foreign country, whether it's Ghana or Trinidad or Puerto Rico or... Uh, and I know Puerto Rico is not a foreign country, uh, or Europe, your, your, your system gets thrown off kilter because you're eating things that you're not accustomed to eating. It's not the stuff that's in your refrigerator on a day-to-day -day basis. So I've been trying to 
to put my system back in. I cut back on my coffee. <gasps> Gasp. I cut back on coffee, which means, as a lot of you know, that means only one. That means coffee's gone for the day. Um, because uh, I only drink one cup of coffee. Uh, I, I had to acquiesce and 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 address my my uh, coffee consumption. I went to a doctor. The doctor asked me how many cups of coffee do I drink a day because he's concerned about my liver functions. And I said, well, I normally have about three cups, right? So I have one in the morning, maybe another one midday, and sometimes another one later on in the afternoon. It's like, oh, okay. Well, how much water do you drink? And I said, well, coffee's made with water, right? He didn't like that answer. So he told me that I either had to drink more water or cut back on the coffee. So I found a new doctor. <laughs> anyway, so... The reason I'm cutting back on the coffee is that I've been taking ginger shots in the morning um, just to kick my metabolism into gear. Uh, I really like, I did a whole juice, y'all may remember that I um, uh, I did a juice thing for a week and it was the most miserable part of my life uh, and it was a full juice, right? Like nothing but juice, morning, noon, and night and uh, it was awful it was god awful i hated it it was it was like nothing i'd ever experienced before in terms of just being hungry all of the time but the one good thing about it was the um the ginger shots that they had you start the day off with i really like those so when i got back from ghana um i set up a, a to to do these ginger shots every morning and if you're doing ginger shots washing that down with coffee just doesn't work so i cut back on the coffee uh and i had moved it to the afternoon so at the very least the ginger had a, a chance to do some sort of thing uh so i cut it back to the afternoon and then uh this whole week i just have not had coffee at all i am four days without coffee if any of you know me for more than 10 minutes you know that four days without coffee is like, I should be like twitching all over the place. I'm fine. I'm fine. Normally when I go one day without coffee, I get a headache, I get cranky, people want to be around me, and now I don't have a headache. Right, see, said, I have no headache. Um, I'm still cranky because I'm 52, but um, I have no headache, and people still don't want to be around me. I gotta work on those last two. Anyway, so I'll, I'll keep you updated on how this how this diet is going. I may be off the coffee crack for for good. Like I've, I've switched to tea, a molecule of, of caffeine in tea as well. Nowhere near what's in coffee. Um, I've, and I'm actually like I only drink like herbal tea or green tea. So there's no ca there's really no caffeine in there either. Um, but it's been very interesting. No headaches. It's, it's been it's been interesting anyway. Uh, so I say all I have to say is that this morning I had, a, we were rushing, so I decided to get breakfast at, at the job, and I got myself a uh, bacon, egg, and Swiss, um, and a piece of the Swiss cheese, um, a piece of the Swiss cheese dropped onto my, onto my pant leg as I was eating it, and, and left a stain, an oil stain on my pant leg. 
Now, first of all, I'm mad that I got an oil stain on the pant leg because that's, you know, it, it's really difficult to get out. You just have to go send it to the cleaners. But I'm looking at it going like, this thing is not going anywhere. It's not dissipating. It's not, I'm like rubbing it. I, I took some water and, and tried to watch, nothing. It's not going anywhere. And in that moment, I'm like, yeah, I got to stop eating downstairs because that's an indication of what's going into my body, right? That stain is an indication that's going into my body. So, uh, so no more bacon, egg, and Swiss from downstairs anymore because apparently they use high-grade oil. <laughs> and that's that sucker is not going anywhere. Um, but I'll tell you another thing that's not going anywhere. I don't know how many of you are participating in this new thing called Wordle, right? Wordle is a day of the week um kind of day of the a word a day puzzle where you have to try to figure out five letters uh, a five letter word uh and you know you guess and if you guess where the letter is properly it turns over in green and if you it and then if it turns over yellow it means that it's in the word but it's in the wrong place um and so i you know my wife put me onto it and so we've been playing back and forth uh and and without fail, my wife always beats me. Like, I'll I'll think like, oh good, I got it in three, and my wife was like, up oh, did it in two. And, and and the day I haven't gotten a two with um, two try one yet, but the day I do, I guarantee you, my wife is gonna guess it in one try because she just has to be better than me, which she is. Um, but uh, my my kid is also try doing this as well. And she gets a little bit more frustrated because clearly her vocabulary is a little bit different than ours. Uh, but Wordle has taken over the green household, and uh, and that ought to be that ought to be keeping us interested into the summer. It's the cold winter months. You know, it's all these things that happen during the winter and the quarantine. Wordle, Tiger King, all of these things were only got popular because we got no place to go, right? So anyway. Check back in, and, uh, and and I'm happy to share my Wordle scores with anybody, but I'm not going to do the whole Facebook thing that everybody posted on Facebook and then people get mad at them. I'm not going to go down that route. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We will come right back and talk a little bit about Eric Adams and the Swaggy Mayor. All right, we are back. You are listening to The Greenhouse Effect, and my name is Hayden Green. I am your host. If you're listening on Facebook Live, please feel free to drop a, 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 drop a chat, uh, drop a comment in the chat box. Uh, I'll be sure to address that. And if you're listening on Spotify, please feel free to go down and leave a comment or uh, answer one of the questions. We're going to talk a little bit about Eric Adams, but stay tuned for my top five top five places that I want to visit. So, like, these are places that I consider to be really tourist, or, well, not touristy, but places that I, I want to go lay eyes on myself. All right, so uh, we've had a rough day, uh, day. We've had a rough week in New York City. Uh, like any major city, um, the, the gun violence is at an all-time high. And so what we are seeing is uh, rampant rampant use of firearms in crimes. Uh, and a lot of the crimes are retaliatory crimes as well. So the gangs are shooting at each other, right? And the, one of the things that, that we were... I was have, have, having a conversation with somebody. Um, 
the problem, one of the biggest problems is that these fools can't shoot, right? So they're just pointing the gun and, and pulling the trigger and wherever the bullet goes, the bullet goes. And so the, the main issue is that they are missing their intended targets and hitting honest and, and, and innocent citizens uh, and bystanders. And so that's where the real tragedy comes in. Not that any loss of life is, tra is not tragic, so I'm not saying that if somebody got gunned down because they were in a gang and somebody retaliated against them, that it's not tragic. But my point is, is that it's even more tragic if somebody is just sitting on their porch and gets shot, right? So I think that uh, the, the city is uh, suffering from a bunch of different things all coming together at the perfect storm. For those of you who are unfamiliar with New York City, we used to have something called um, the, 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 the Crime Task Force or the Gun Task Force or something like that, right? Uh, this was put in effect during the Giuliani time uh, under Commissioner Ray Kelly, who has, and I will say it, uh, been listed as one of the most... Uh, racist police commissioners that we've ever had like his policies that the policies that he enacted were detrimental to people of color in new york city um for generations and we're seeing we're still seeing the remnants of that so he was a proponent of the uh broken glass policing he brought back stop and frisk so all of these things all these things started to come out and so during that time there was this task force that would roll up on people. They were plain clothes, which means they didn't wear a uniform, and they also were driving around in unmarked cars. And so they would pop out anti-time crash force. Thank you, said. Um, and so they would pop out of cars like in, in on mass, like three, four cars would would roll up into a neighborhood, mostly disenfranchised neighborhoods with people of color, roll up into a neighborhood, and just like pin people to the wall and frisk people and, and draw guns. And you didn't know what was happening because, once again, they're not wearing, uh, they're not wearing uniforms and they're also not, w not driving police cars. So all you know is a bunch of dudes just rolled out of a car, pulled out guns, and, and stuck you up, right? You didn't know if they were criminals. You didn't know if they were a rival gang from some someplace else. And, and they became, and they were very much cowboys. Um, and so... Uh, a lot of the communities complained about the anti-crime task force, not because we didn't want policing in our neighborhoods, which is a, a common misconception, right? So a lot of times when black people complain that the cops are doing this or we want uh, policing to be one way or another, it's translated as, oh, y'all just want a lawless um, situation in your neighborhoods. You don't want the cops in your neighborhoods. That's absolutely not the truth, right? Every black person wants to be protected by the police, by by the police and by um, law enforcement. What they don't want is law enforcement killing our innocent people. Get the right people, right? We also don't want to walk around in fear from both the criminals and the people who are who are uh, looking for the criminals, right? So there's a lot of reform that needed to happen, and as has been the case over the last couple of the last decade or so. The, all of the concessions that are happening in New York C City are all a non concessions, right? So we asked for the anti-crime uh, anti task force to be reformed, to, to be looked at, to get proper training, maybe even, gasp, wear uniforms or wear something that indicates that they are cops instead of the badge like up underneath their belly and, and, and a lot of them had big bellies. Yes, I'm biased. All right. And so they, that's what we asked for. What we got 
during the Blasio uh, um, uh, administration was the anti-crime task force being eliminated completely, right? So now the the unit had some of success, some successes, right? There, there was there they had their um, they, it was useful. They, I'm not sitting here to say, okay, well, they were all bad. They did their job. But they also did more than their job. And the more than their job part was where people had an issue with it. Now, rather than get them to do their job only or rather to get them to do their job better or properly or by the books, the, the, the solution was, well, we'll just get rid of them altogether. And that opened up the wild, wild west in New York City. In addition to the fact that during the pandemic, cops were out sick. They, you know, all of these... Uh, uh, precincts were depleted by COVID, uh, people out sick, or people dying. And so now you have less cops on the street. You don't have the task force out there taking care of gun violence. And so it became the wild, wild west in New York. And so we're getting to the point where they're starting to pull it back now. Uh, there is a gun crime um not a task force, but like a, like they all get in a room and talk about all of the people who have committed gun crime uh, infractions. And people from this part of law enforcement say, yeah, he came through this way. Uh, he was We was about to give him uh, parole. And then somebody will say, well, no, we, we picked this dude up four times already. We can't just let him back into the streets. And so now there, there are about 80, 90 people sitting around the table. Actually, it's not that long, big. I think it's like 40 people sitting around the table discussing gun violence as it comes up and being able to address it in a way that is smart, that is um, that pulls all of the, the, the people together. Now, the problem is, is that Everybody now is up in arms because a couple of things are starting to happen. Um, uh, Said says a significant number of officers left the job after the protest as well. Right, so they were they were depleted for a couple of different things. And then, uh, but I, I'll tell you one thing though. Said if you were if you left the job because people were protesting about the way that the police were treating black people and um, and all they wanted was a reform for policing in black and brown neighborhoods, and you left the job because that's what tri- triggered you, then I don't know that you should have been a police officer to begin with. That's my point. That's my opinion on that one. Now, a lot of people left because they're like, uh, uh, you know, police are getting a bad name, and I don't want to be part of a force that continues to get a bad name for doing X, Y, and Z. That's another argument. But if you're saying that Black, that people are protesting because Black Lives Matter, and you're like, you know what? Screw that. I'd, I'd rather not be a police officer if I have to listen to that or I have to acquiesce to those demands. Then you're right. You shouldn't be a police officer. Anyway, so Eric Adams gets elected, and 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 I call him the Swaggy Mayor because that's what he said he is. He said that New York City runs better better when you have a mayor that has some sort of, that has some swag. Really? That's what we're looking for? You think that we elected you because you're, you've got swag? Dude, read the room. We elected you because we need reform. We elected you because you understand both sides of the, the, the argument when it comes to, uh, you know, keeping the city safe. Anyway, so the swaggy mayor says that he wants to, that he's going to bring back the anti-crime task force. And it's going to be a modified task force. Um, 
It will not be like the old days where random people just sitting in cars and rolling up on people. There's going to be proper training. Uh, there will be a modified uniform that they will have to wear. Uh, and so people are now like, oh, my God, he's bringing back the task force. It's the same thing that we asked him to get rid of. So it, this is the part where it, it, it bugs me. Did y'all not listen to what the man said when he was campaigning? He He never was... He was never shy about this. He said explicitly that he was going to bring back the task force when he was campaigning. There was no doubt. There was never a, oh, okay, well, this is one of the policies that he may lean into. No, he said straight up and down, I'm bringing back the task. I will be bringing back the task force and I will be the anti-crime mayor. The man was a former cop, right? So, there, there is only but so much of a variance uh, from the, the cop officers that are in place right now that then from, there is only so much of a variance from him and the officers that are, that are in, um, in power right now, right? So there's, you had to know this was coming. I am curious to see, and I will take a wait-and-see attitude about whether or not he will, the, the training that he is talking about will actually be, um, effective right because in essence all of the people that were bad seeds and I, for those of you on spotify i'm using air quotes all those people who were bad seeds on the task force last time that it was enacted hopefully should not be should not be just like waved back in right so what i hope is that in order to get back on the task force that you have to go through the training that you have to go through all these different things and that will make that will mean that there is a different crop of officers that are going through this. The bottom line is that we need that, right? And the other piece that, that that's causing a lot of issues is that him and Alvin Bragg are having, a, you know, a butting heads. Again, uh, for, Alvin Bragg is the newly elected Manhattan DA, right? So he is, uh, so it, it, he's only the DA for, the, for Manhattan, um, but one of the things that happens in New York is that as Manhattan goes, so does a lot of the other boroughs. So they, they kind of take their cues from from Manhattan because it's the most uh, it, it's the most prolific. It's the most um, I, I guess pop not popular, but it's it's the most high profile district attorney's office. And the Manhattan DA, the newly elected Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, has said that he is no longer going to. Um, uh, prosecute minor offenses. He's going to concentrate on on major, major, um, major crimes. So uh, things like shoplifting and 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 uh, and robbery and stuff like that. The, you know, he's going or drug drug charges. He's going to find a different way to um, uh, to process those people. Okay, what that means? It does not mean if a cop arrests somebody for shoplifting that. They'll get to the DA's office, and the DA was like, no, just go at home. We're not going to prosecute you. What it means is that there will be a differentiated form of punishment or a form of uh, reconciliation with this particular person. So whether it is they have to go through drug counseling, whether it is they have to go through some services, or, you know, he's trying to what he's trying to do is trying to free up the DAs and the ADAs from having to prosecute minor offenses while the, the, the court cases for major offenses gets backlogged. So that's what he's trying to do. Here's the problem. I, I, either Bragg does not have a good PR person 
or he is just one of those people who doesn't care what you think and he's just going to say what he's going to say. Everybody's interpreting this as, a, as oh, so if I rob a, a convenience store with a gun and, and, sh and shoot up the convenience store or I attack a cop or all the rest of the stuff, he's no, that's now going to be a misdemeanor and he's not going to, he's not going to prosecute it. That's not what he said. And there's a whole memorandum of what he said. He's going to prosecute all. In fact, he's getting, he's, he's passing on prosecuting the, you know, the, the shoplifters and stuff like that in lieu of be going after people who use guns in the city to commit crimes. That's what he said. But now Eric Adams and Alvin Bragg are at loggerheads and talk about we have to keep safe, city safe. And Swaggy Mayor is talking about the DA needs to get on board with what we're doing. Um, and so now we have to, you know, we have to talk to the DA and make sure that he understands what we are trying to do so that uh, we can get these drugs, these guns off the street. He wants the guns off the street, too. Alvin Bragg does. And what he said was, I can't focus on people or on prosecuting people peeing on a wall or littering or shoplifting and prosecute these people for gun violence at the same time. One of them has to give. And P.S., yes, during the Giuliani administration, they enacted all of these quality of life laws where you can get, um, you can actually uh, be arrested for peeing, you know, peeing on a wall, jaywalking, littering, things like that, so that he, you know, it was supposed to enhance the quality of life in New York City. And what that ended up doing was putting a lot of black and brown bodies in the jail system, in, in, the, in the prison system. And what started, and what started happening is, I go to jail for peeing on a wall or for shoplifting, and um, before I even get to see my trial, I've got to spend time in Rikers. And Rikers turns regular minor criminals into hardened felons. And so before I even get out of Rikers, I've already committed to a life of crime. And what Bragg is saying is that let's not even put these people into the system, right? Let's give them a chance. And this is what happens on a lot of with neighborhood policing, right? So, like, if you in, in Westchester and the local cops know who all of the people in the neighborhood and know that this is a good kid and we caught him scaling the wall to go smoke a cigarette behind the school, right? They'll be like, hey, Jimmy, cut that out. I'm going to tell your parents if you do this again, I'm, I'm telling you this right now, this is the last warning that you will get, and let them go on about their way, right? And we'll have, we're going to have this whole conversation about how uh, people from disenfranchised neighborhoods are, are aged up, right? And so are treated like adults before, they are time, before it's time for them to be adults. And people in, in you know, nicer neighborhoods, uh, whether it's black, white, or anything, are given the second chance, right? Because they're like, oh, okay you know slap you on the wrist literally slap you on the wrist get out of here don't do it again and for a lot of for a lot of these kids they scared them straight or <laughs> they allowed them to keep on being a nuisance in the neighborhoods another story altogether right so now the mayor and the, and the da are fighting back and forth and it's and, and i and i really think that it's unproductive uh because what's going to happen is that uh, it's going to get to be a pissing contest like the way we saw with Cuomo and de Blasio uh, when nothing got done because some, one of them had to have the the, um, the the right to say that it was their idea. And I don't want to see that happen with Bragg and, um, and Eric Adams. There's too much work to be done. 
Uh, Seth says, I don't know if there's a nice way to get guns off the street or to get gangs to stop. The gang thing is in the entire culture. It's actually frightening. No, it is. It, it's, it, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not here to say that, that um, the gun violence that's happening right now isn't, um, isn't just terrifying. Um, because people are, the, the, these gang members and people who are willing to use guns in their crimes are looking around and seeing that there are less um, people bearing down on them. So they can, so they don't have a problem with walking around with the gun because they know nobody's going to roll up on them. But if you think that people are going to roll up on you, you might not bring that gun out, right? So there's a kind of mindset on that. Um, the other piece of it is, is that there you, it's a systematic thing, right? A systemic thing, not systematic, systemic thing. Because the reason that the gangs are able to recruit is because our youth has a void that needs to be filled. And so whether it is proper schooling, after school programs, art education, sports, um, economic development, uh, jobs, whatever, whatever those things are, there is a void for these youth, right? And the gangs provide the space for that void to be filled, right? And that's the problem with the whole thing because we you want to look at the the back end of ga of gun violence and gang violence and really talk about well, here are all the reasons why it's bad, but if you do not look at the systemic reasons why you the youth are going into gangs to begin with, you're just going to keep on spinning your wheels. And so Eric Adams has a lot of those programs too. He speaks about this all the time, about funding community programs in order to get our youth off the street and to make sure that they're not... Um, you know, just going into the gangs because there's nothing else for them to do. So he speaks about that as well. But the problem is, is that if he then gets embroiled into this whole fight with Alvin Bragg and 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 all of the different people, um, he's not going to get to the, the the stuff that really will make a difference, right? Uh, figuring out where all of the community with the community programs need enhancement and they need extra money and need a lot of spaces for these young people to go into so that the gangs don't have access to them to begin with, right? So that's part of the problem that we're having in the city. Uh, I, I hope Swaggy Mary gets it together because right now he is uh, riding the high of being elected um, and he is puffing out his chest and um, I just hope that he's able to make sure that he uh, gets the right people in the right places because this is ridiculous right now. And so hopefully we can get an end to this gun violence. Uh, and the other piece about it, too, is that he went to Washington to talk about this because, um, Gasp, you may may not know this, but there are no gun manufacturers in New York City. They got to get here somewhere. So... That's another issue that we need to talk about is like, how are the guns getting in the city? But that's a whole other podcast. Right now, we're going to take a break and we will come right back and we will talk about um, Mr. Joe Biden having himself a hell of a week. All right. You're listening to The Greenhouse Effect. And we are back. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. You are listening to The Greenhouse Effect. And... Uh, 
And uh, I am your host, Hayden Green. For a second there, I forgot what I was about to say. Don't get old, people. Getting old is, is no fun. All right, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Mr. Joe Biden. <laughs> President Joe Biden has been having a bit of a week, right? So he spent the, 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 the vast part of this week and last week really posturing against uh, Putin and Russia because Russia is on the brink of invading Croatia, uh, not Croatia, uh, oh God, what, um, I, and, and just like that, the, 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 the name of the country just, just popped out of my head, anyway, um, so Russia is, um, is trying to, uh, attack and, and he's got a bunch of, they've got a bunch of tanks all over the place, um, uh, uh, oh, Ukraine. Oh, my God. Why could I not think of that? So, Russia is on the brink of attacking Ukraine. Uh, the interesting thing about Ukraine is that as you talk to the people in the Ukraine, and not that I've talked to them, but you, you watch news reports, the re Ukraine um, leadership and the people who live in Ukraine are like, let them come. We're going to mess them up. We did it the last time. And I'm like, Dude, why do you want a war? Why do you, like, I would, yeah, okay. So, if I know that I can whoop said person over here, right? Um, and, but in order to do that, I'm going to encounter a bunch of injuries. I'm going to get a scar on my face, or my arm's going to be messed up, or my pinky toe going to get shot off. And I could avoid interacting with dude or person. I'm going to do that. But Ukraine is like... Uh, we ain't worry about them. So what? They got a massive army piled up on the outside of our, uh, uh, on the outside of our borders, and these are the same people that just took over the Crimean pen Peninsula a decade ago. Uh, yeah, sure, let them come. So what they what they're basing all of this on is that uh, Ukraine seceded from Russia, uh, and it was a huge war. There was, there've also been a bunch of civil wars because there are people who are loyalists to Mother Russia and um, are not fighting against the the Ukraine, um, the current Ukraine government, and so that all of that is going on, and they're accustomed to fighting against Russia. Now, Russia can they invade Ukraine? They sure can. They have enough army to do that. However, will they be able to do that in a sustained way? Absolutely not. And so there are questions about whether or not this is a, a flex move, uh, trying to get people to, you know, trying to get the United States to show its hand. Um, and Russia keeps on saying the reason that we are, we are doing this is because we don't want Ukraine to join NATO. Well, what is that? Why is that important? Well, every, every country that joins NATO all of the other member nations get to have a, an opinion about uh, arming that country, about putting missile si missile silos in that country. And so if you look at a map of where Ukraine is, it's really up underneath Russia. And, it's, and it gives a tactical um, advantage to, the, to NATO in case there's a war. So here's the problem. It sounds like we are back in the middle of a Cold War all of a sudden again. Five, you know, five minutes ago, Russia was, you know, faltering. 
and could barely afford bread for its its citizens. And now we're back to a cold war, it feels like. So there's a big standoff going on in Ukraine. And it's one of those things where, you know, we're teetering and seeing exactly how this is going to play out. Um, Russia cannot sustain a, 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 a prolonged attack on Ukraine. But any incursion into a sovereign nation is a UN violation. So their country, countries are going to have to act. And so Biden is sitting there going, oh, man, I, I, I don't want to do this. <laughs> right? he's, he, you can literally see on his face where he's like, uh, I want to say that we'll bomb the hell out of him, but I'm not going to say that. Uh, I want to say that we are going to be swift and decisive about what we're going to do, but I can't say that either. Uh, and and he's, he's just really hoping that all of this goes away. So the Ukraine thing is really causing Biden a lot of agita. And on, a, on the top of that, last week, his um, voting rights bill, or let me rephrase that, the voting rights bill got voted down and was subject to the filibuster and failed. Um, and so, what? Not, so right now he's looking at his own party not being able to, to get it together because we got Cinema and Mansion calling the shots as if they represent the majority of the country and are really have the the Democratic Party like puppets. What what they say goes because they are now the swing votes, which is crazy. Anyway. So now, so he's got that to deal with. Uh, and by the way, they're, they're thinking about the Build Back Better bill and the Voting Rights bill. They're thinking about breaking those up into literal pieces, right? So the, the Voting Rights bill has a bunch of stuff in it, like, you know, um, uh, making uh, Election Day a, a, ho- a federal holiday, um, uh, adding guarantees for um, uh, online, not online voting, but for digital voting uh, digital voting places uh making mail-in ballots available to everybody like all of these different things to make voting easier right uh which is the main thing that you want you want your citizenship to have an easier time getting to the ballot not a harder time but of course that got voted down along party lines and then of course they enacted the filibuster, which meant that they needed 60 votes. And they only have that because Cinema and Manchin keep on voting with the Republicans. Anyway, but they're trying to say that they're going to try to split that bill up into different smaller chunks. Instead of trying to do it as a big thing, they're doing it in smaller chunks. So, like, the first thing that they may tackle is making um, the election day uh, a, a federal holiday, which will solve a lot of problems. So, everybody has an issue with getting to the polls on election day because they got to take time off from work or this or that and the other. And if you are part of a salary job and you tell your bosses like, hey, I need time to go vote, especially if you're voting in a district that has very, very long lines, that's your whole day. And you might not be able to make that money back and your job might look at you and go, oh, you think voting is more important than doing this particular job, uh, then you're fired, right? And so if, if it becomes a federal holiday, employers don't have that leverage, and it makes it easier for more people to get to the, to the ballot. So they're looking to break that stuff up. Um, and then uh, Biden was in a press conference, and one of the reporters asked him a benign question. And 
it was a dumb question. I forget what it, what the question actually was. But on a hot mat, on a hot mic, he called the guy a dumb son, a dumb son, a dumb son of a bitch, <laughs> which is a perfect old man thing to say. Ah, that stupid son of a bitch, right? So like. So, it, but Biden doesn't realize when there's an open mind. This is the second time that this has happened to him. It happened to him when he was in vice president under the Obama administration. He did the same thing. And so, somebody needs to be like, give Biden a sign where like, like hold up a red sign like, mic is on. Anytime you see the red sign in front of you, it means the mic is on. Look at that sign. If you don't see the sign, you go ahead and say whatever you want. I was watching CNN and one of the reporters said, it's like, look, all presidents uh, hate the, the media and have this tenuous relationship with the media. But at the very least, the presidents before him at least talk behind our back instead of doing it right in front of our face. So Biden calls this guy son of a bitch, and then he has to go back and, and apologize, him, which sets up a scenario for Biden to be apologizing to Fox. Who would have thunk it, right? So, um, so, that's, so that's that. And then... Yesterday, Supreme Court Stephen Breyer Breyer um, decides that he's going to retire after this, and uh, and now it gets Biden the opportunity to uh, uh, to nominate his own Supreme Court justice, which is great. Uh, Breyer is a liberal, so it's a he's, he's probably going to replace him with another liberal, so it doesn't change the makeup of the court very much at all, but. The thing that is going to be different is that on the campaign trail, he, Biden, has um, promised that the next, if he got a chance to appoint a Supreme Court justice, that it would be a black woman. And so there's a whole slew, a whole can, a whole list of people who are great candidates. And I'm wondering, y'all, y'all going past the one obvious one that will just put put the Republicans in a tizzy, Michelle Obama. Just nominate Michelle Obama to be the the first black woman um, Supreme Court justice. Boom! Could you imagine the 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 synchronous the synchronous explosion of heads on the on the in the GOP if Biden nominated Michelle Obama to be a Supreme Court judge? She's wicked smart. She's smarter than than Barack. Right, uh, there have been people who have had less legal, um, legal, what do you call it, uh, experience than she has, and are on on the court right now. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, all these names are floating around. The one name that that would just that that just set everything off the top, Michelle Obama. Anyway, so I'm gonna leave y'all with that. Uh, I'm gonna take a break. And we'll come back and talk about the top five places that I would love to visit. All right. And we are back. Again, this is the Greenhouse Effect. We thank you for hanging out with me and listening. And this is always a great Wednesday. Sorry, Thursday. A great Thursday just to sit with you guys. All right. It's time for my top five. All right. Top five places that I would like to visit. So a couple caveats with this, right? So number one. When I think about a place that I want to visit, it's not a family visit. When I think about a place I want to visit, it is a visually stimulating place that I can immerse myself in the culture and be very um, 
leave that place even more enriched, right? So I'm not talking about like the white sands of Aruba. I'm not talking about like going to, you know, New Orleans for Mardi Gras. I've done all that stuff, right? So, but those places wouldn't make the list anyway if I hadn't gone to like one of these beautiful beaches or if I hadn't gone to New Orleans yet, they still wouldn't make this particular list. So here's my list. My list starts with number five, Morocco. Morocco is on the northern part of Africa and is one of the most beautiful places on earth, right? And just in terms of culture, there is color everywhere. Um, it is it is heavily influenced by uh, Islamic culture, uh, but also Persian culture, right? So you have a lot of marketplaces and and and, uh, and and there's a lot of art and dance and stuff like that. And my camera would just love it there, right? There's a lot of things to, to photograph. Whether we're talking about Marrakesh or Casablanca, it's a beautiful place to be. Uh, and I can't wait to go. So Morocco is my number five. My number four is Singapore. Singapore. Singapore is probably... <laughs> So when you start, so I've been to Dubai, right? And Dubai is one of those places that when you think of all of the futuristic things that you can think of in a place, Dubai has the money to do that, right? But it's in the desert. And so there's a little bit of a mm to it. Like there's something missing, right? Singapore, it has it all. Singapore has floating, uh, floating gardens, has a... Uh, a hotel that has a cruise ship on the top of it. It has all, I mean, it is a light explosion. Uh, and so it's one, of, every time I see, especially uh, for those of you who did not uh, watch it, go watch Crazy Rich Asians. Um, and so Crazy Rich Asians really talks about uh, the wealth of Singapore and it shows you the wealth of Singapore. But like you can walk around Singapore at night and it is just an explosion of color, an explosion of all of this futuristic stuff. So Singapore is my number four. All right. My number three is Tokyo. Tokyo is the home of every neon sign that you have ever seen in your entire life. And so the nightlife in Tokyo is all about lights. And there is just... A, a vibrancy to the city uh, like so I'm not actually very much interested in Tokyo during the daytime I literally want to go to Tokyo at night and just set up a night setup um, on my camera and just take pictures of the like everything from alleyways to their big giant crossing square that you always see in every movie where it's like a bunch of different people going in a, in a bunch of different ways uh, so Tokyo for me is so visually stunning because everything is lit up and everything is neon or neon colored. So Tokyo is right up there. All right. My number two. My number two is probably going to shock a bunch of people because uh, or you'll, you'll absolutely get it because if you know who I am. Uh, number two is Arches National Park. And what is Arches National Park? Arches National Park is in Arizona uh, and it is in like the Grand Canyon area and you've seen it 
in a bunch of places, right? Uh, it's these giant sandstone arches, and and uh, you see it in a lot of screensavers. You'll see it in uh, on just like when you go to a doctor's office. I guarantee you, next time you go to a doctor's office, there's probably a picture of Arches National Park there. But it's where the wind cuts into these sandstones, and the sandstone is layered so you see all these different colors and you see all these different formations and everybody goes and some of them take like the same picture of the giant arch and like looking through it but there's so much to photograph in that space that it's almost impossible to come back with the exact same pictures that somebody else did so i literally want to go there i, I could go by myself literally just pick up over a weekend and spend a weekend in arches never do that though because if you get lost and you die nobody will know where to find you because cell, cell service out there i heard is absolute crap so that's my top my five through two all right we got morocco singapore tokyo and arches national park any guesses on what my number one is for those of you who are still out there and those of you on Spotify, please put your number five, uh, put your five, your top five in the list. You can just scroll down and add your own top five. My number one place that I want to visit, hands down, without fail, is Egypt. And more importantly, Cairo. I want to see the pyramids. I, that is my top place that I want to go. I want to go see the pyramids. And I want to go see the pyramids with a local. I want to go see it with somebody who lives there and is can walk me around and understands, you know, the best views and stuff. I saw a picture the other day of the back of the Sphinx, right? And it did not occur to me that the Sphinx has a tail, right? Of course, like... It, it's the body of a lion, right? So it should have. It just never occurred to me that they actually carved out the tail. The Sphinx has a tail, right? And so things like that, right? So I am so Egypt is on my list for for in perpetuity, and until I get there, it will be my number one place. So maybe in 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 uh in the in the future to come, I'll end up in Egypt, but. Number one place for me to visit and to take my camera is Egypt. And Kim, I see you over here posting. I still want that Hasselblad that you got sitting under your desk. I, I'm not even joking with you. Let me borrow it. I'll, I'll do you proud. So that's my top five list. Morocco, Singapore, Tokyo, Arches, and Egypt. All right. So that has been, that's our show today. Um... I've had a great time with you guys, and I hope you had uh, an interesting time with me. Uh, this, again, is The Greenhouse Effect, where we talk about the week and talk about everything that's going on, um, and uh, we look at it from a multicultural point of view, and that multicultural point of view is mine. And uh, thank you so much for uh, coming and sitting with me. Kim, I see that, that that post up there that I can borrow it. I'm coming to get it. I'm not even joking. All right? <laughs> so, uh, so it's been the Greenhouse Effect. Y'all go out and have a great time. Have a great week and be warm to another human. See y'all later.